Galatians 5, verse 13 to 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this do not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Good morning. It's great to see you all. A massive welcome to all of you. Now, God speaks to us in his word, doesn't he, the Bible. And he speaks to our hearts. What do we mean by heart? We mean what we love. And there's three groups of people I want to welcome today. Those three groups I want to identify one by one. The first group are those for whom the jury is out on Jesus. They wouldn't necessarily call themselves Christians yet. They're weighing things up. They're not quite sure what they think. Perhaps something about a Christian compelled them to listen to this or join us this morning. Maybe it was some wholesomeness. Maybe it was some kindness. Maybe there was just something compelling. But they're just not sure. Now, what we're going to be looking at today, if we could have the point up on the screen, that'd be great, is that we're looking at the fruits of the Spirit, and I have one point today, which is, so, walk by the Spirit, and there will be fruit. This is taken from the passage we've looked at, and that bit, so, is what I want that first group to think about. Why is there a so at the beginning? So the first group, for whom the jury's out on who Jesus is and whether they put the trust in, the, trust in Jesus yet, I want them to focus on the so of the first point. The second group, which I think actually probably fills up quite a lot of the pews or chairs in this instance, quite fills up quite a lot of us, is the group here whose faith hangs by a thread. You feel burdened. You feel burdened by the list of things here that there are to the, the fruits of the Spirit. You see your failings, you know them. You know them intimately, you know them better than anybody else. You're worn out. And really, I want you to focus on this, the second highlighted point, which is the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. So we'll be coming to that in a bit. So for those of you who are feeling worn out and burdened, it's that second thing, to walk by the Spirit. And the third group may be feeling a bit numb. They've been hearing this series about gospel freedom. 
then maybe the question arises, well, if I know I'm free in Christ, why would I bother really living in any specific way? Because if I put my faith in Jesus, then I'm free, so therefore, you know, I can live as I like. Thank you very much. Maybe that would lend itself perhaps to the thought of basically I've kind of got, um, I live, I go to church and do my God stuff on a Sunday and then maybe my rest of my life is different. Because I'm free anyway, I can kind of just live my life as I am. I want them to focus on the final thing here, which is fruit. So, so walk by the Spirit and there will be fruit. Let's give some context. Why, why, why have I started with so? Well, so is the first word of Verse 16, so could mean because, couldn't it? could mean therefore. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And as we keep on, so verse 13 and 14 also says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, what we've been learning, isn't it, in the, over, the, over the last series looking at Galatians, is these Galatians have been tempted to think that there's something more than being, that's going to save them than by putting their faith in Jesus. The thing that they've got is circumcision, which seems perhaps a bit strange to some of us now, but it actually it's very subtle, which is saying, actually, it's not just by faith. You can get security with God, if you do this little religious thing, it won't be over in a few seconds. It'll be done. Circumcision will be done. You, 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 you will then, you can call yourself a real Christian, a real believer. Just do this religious thing. And how tempting that is for us, actually, within the church to do that, to say, if we serve on this team or we do this little thing, we could, therefore, that will make you saved. You'll know you're saved if you do this thing. Paul says, you've been bewitched. What's going on? This is completely false. That is not what saves you. Now, you've seen it all before. We see it on, if you go on, you go on God TV, they'll say, put your hand on the TV and, uh, and, and pray this prayer, and then you'll be saved, or then you'll be good. Or maybe give this amount of money, and then you'll be saved. Follow these rules, and then you'll be saved. But it's only faith in the work of Jesus, his sacrifice, that sets you free from judgment and separation. It's a bit like, before you put your faith in Jesus, you are completely stuffed, like you're lost. It's much like, I don't know if you remember back in 2010, um, there were the Chilean miners that got stuck, 33 of them, 700 metres underground, miles away from the, from the mine shaft that's just collapsed. They have basically got a mountain between them and safety an impenetrable, like, they were completely helpless by themselves to do anything. They're lost. They're gone. Except for the fact that a big multinational effort to tunnel a hole, which was a remarkably difficult thing to do, managed to reach them. And they put a little capsule down, and what they had to do was they had to get into the capsule, and then they got pulled out again. It took something like 60, 70 days. Remarkable uh, experience for them. And they all came out safe and actually in relatively good order. It's a good story, one of those few feel-good stories you get on the news. But actually, our faith in God, or our faith that saves, our saving faith, is much like that capsule. 
There's nothing we can do, we can add to the capsule. <laughs> like you've kind of got to get in it, and then it pulls you out. That's what Jesus does. He set us free from judgment and separation. Our separation from God is much like that 700 meters of hard rock that separates us from God. Because he loved us so much, he made a way for us to be known and to know him. Now, this has been the whole trajectory of the whole of history from Genesis and the Garden of Eden right the way through to now, this trajectory of God showing his character of love. From relationship with God, first being broken in the garden, he's made a plan for that relationship to be fulfilled by faith in Jesus, showing his character, his love for us. Note that God walked with us in the garden, beginning in Genesis. And we're called to walk by the Spirit. We'll come to that in a minute. God shows us his character, his love, by Jesus on the cross. That's the context of what we're doing here. Now, when we see God's love for us, it can change our heart by his Spirit. 800 years before this was written by Paul, Ezekiel, it writes in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. This is God speaking. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now, when it, whenever that point is that, you are, that your faith is put in Jesus, even a fragment, a mustard seed, you get the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit comes into your heart. Now, when we see in other letters, God talks about the gifts. There is actually lots of different gifts, and people have different gifts and different allocations or whatever, and the gift of faith is one of them, actually, um, that some people do have, seem to have more of than others. But to be a Christian is to have faith. It's not a quantity. When you have faith, you get the Spirit. Now, that is massive. And actually, it's spine-tingling when we actually gather what that means for us because it's empowering. Ezekiel says you'll have a new heart. What do we mean when we mean heart? We mean love, a new desire. We'll have a new spirit. What does that mean? It kind of means a new empowering from God, a person of God within us. Now, you see all that good stuff at the end we're going to get to, the juice, the really nice stuff at the end, the fruit of the spirit. All of that good stuff, which we call fruit, the fruit of the spirit comes from this new spirit that is given to us when we place our faith in him, right? So, so it's an outpouring. It's not, it doesn't say works of the spirit. We don't do the good stuff at the end and therefore get the spirit. We don't get the spirit by the fruit. The fruit comes after having received the spirit by faith, right? Isn't that incredible? So, so I just want to put that into context at the beginning. We don't do these things to get love. We don't do the fruits of the Spirit to get love. You were loved. The rescue mission was made. The tunnel was dug. The capsule was sent. You got in it, and you received the Spirit. You have been saved if you place your faith in Jesus. So, walk in the Spirit, and there'll be fruit. So, so bit at the beginning. All this stuff comes after that. The second group that I was talking to, which I think makes up a whole load of people in here, your faith hangs by a thread. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning. 
that that tiny, tiny seed of faith, the size of a mustard seed, only came by the Spirit anyway, um, and the presence of the Spirit means you can walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Now, I've chosen the word walk by the Spirit. And here, uh, in the NIV, on verse 16, this is the translation of the Bible we're using. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit. Now, the, the actual literal translation of live there is to walk, which is a concrete kind of example. And my friend uh, Luke over there actually given me a lot of feedback on how to, on how to teach. And uh, concrete is good, right? So I'm going with the concrete, literal one here of to walk. Walk by the Spirit. So what we see here in the Bible, right, it talks about walking over 200 times, and we can see Jesus as almost like the most persistent pedestrian in the Bible. He walks everywhere, because that's kind of what you did back then, right? Um, But what do we mean by to walk? Well, it kind of means life lived, right? The way you you walk, walk the walk, right? A life lived. So to walk is kind of your life lived, but it also has a relationship sort of thing going on, right? Your walk with someone. It has a relational emphasis. In the Bible, we talk about your walk with God, your walk with this person. So it's both relational and life-lived, right? Relational and life-lived. But, I mean, I'm a simple guy, and I like the idea of walking. Because if you think about walking, it is both... You have to be empowered to walk. You have to have the energy to walk. But this also has a direction, which for our physics and maths geeks in here means it's a vector, right? But what that means is, is that you have both direction and empowerment, right? So that is what comes when we're walking. But it's walking by the Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You cannot give rise to these fruits of the Spirit, as seen here, on your own. It has to be done by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Let's read verses um, 16 to 18. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So let's look at that, focus particularly on 16 there, 16 and 17. Do you notice there, we're we're told to live by the Spirit, but it kind of gives us a way how. Now, you see that it says, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Now, I'm going to get a little bit less PG right now. That word desire there actually means pants. It means lusts. That is literally the language that's being used here in its original context. Now, so that's what the, the, the flesh, the broken kind of default setting of being a human is. So we, we, we lust after the flesh. But actually, do you notice what it says here as well? It says, um, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. So what they, that sentence is saying is that the spirit desires, pants after what is contrary to the Spirit. What's going on there? So desiring what is the opposite of the flesh. So the Spirit is panting after what is opposite to the flesh, which in in embodiment was Jesus, right? The Spirit 
makes us love Jesus. The spirit that is absolutely central to the role of the spirit in our lives to make us love Jesus more, to help us love Jesus more, to help us desire Jesus. So the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. There's a war of loves going on here. I don't know about you, but I've definitely felt that war. That war of affection. It doesn't say it's easy. Um, walking in the spirit, that walking is relational. It's walking and talking. And we, we, we have this default to sort of lust after the flesh. But we're also indwelt by the spirit, which is going to raise our eyes to Jesus. And help us love Jesus more. And that is going to be the outworking of the Spirit coming through. Now, prayer, Bible reading, and fellowship with Christians. All good things. They'll do nothing to save you. Prayer will not save you. Bible reading will not save you. And fellowshipping will not save you. In and of themselves. However... Once you know God, because you put your faith in him, he's revealed himself to you, he's given you the spirit. Prayer, Bible reading, fellowship with Christians builds intimacy with God. Because it's, you're walking, right? So walking is relational, so you're, getting, you're talking with someone as you go, you're listening to them, um, and it's sort of a collective walking together action. We're seeing what Jesus is like. We're encouraged by what God is doing in other people's lives. We are begging God for help in these areas of our lives. It's an interaction. It's relationship. Now, this is, these are hard things to do, right? I don't know how many of you struggle to pray. I don't know how many of you struggle to read your Bible. I don't know how many of you struggle to actually find it within yourselves to meet with people who are very different to you. They're all difficult things. And yet we're called to do them. They won't save us, but those things can help us build intimacy with God to get to know him better. And, but it's hard because of our flesh, right? Our flesh means that we'd far sooner not do a whole load of those things. But Jesus said he's going to give us a helper, and that helper is the Spirit. So why not, why not ask the helper? Right? We're struggling to pray. Say, so God, help me to pray. I'm really struggling to, 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 to find out what Jesus is like in his word. I'm really, really, really struggling to, to, to love Jesus. But because you've got that seed, that mustard seed of faith, that's all it takes. You have the Spirit who is a helper and can help. And that will help us to build love for God and help us to walk by the Spirit with both direction and power. Because there's still some agency there. You still have some ability. It's not just that we're, we're kind of like spiritual robots now because we have the Spirit, so therefore kind of everything is, is let go and let God. The power comes from the Spirit. The direction, we're prompted by the Spirit, but we, kinda, we can follow the Spirit's leading. And there are times when we don't. And we have the cross for that. But the whole of the rest of this chapter, the whole of the rest, actually, the stuff people remember, which is the fruits of the Spirit and the works of the flesh, are just an outflow of this, are an outflow of what our affection is for, for Jesus.
and we can nurture those affections. So my, my, to those of you who are really struggling, who are, whose faith is hanging by a thread, ask for help from God and seek after intimacy with him. And if it hurts, which it will, because there's so many things warring against you. There's a world, the flesh, and the devil trying to stop you from building that intimacy. Now, that outflow, the, the, these next, can you see it goes like verses 19 right down to the end? So you've got two sections there, basically. You've got what desire for the flesh looks like, and then you've got what desire for Christ looks like. Um, and the acts of the flesh are obvious. He kind of doesn't really labor them too much because they're obvious um, here. Um, there's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Um, and I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, to be honest, this just reads like your Netflix homepage, <laughs> or your, um, it reads like the front page of a tabloid you, you know, website, whatever. Um, this has been the same forever. These are, these are just the outworkings of the flesh. There's nothing new here. This has been going on since, uh, since Cain and Abel. Do you know what I mean? This has been going on for ages. And it's what happens when humans, their desires from the fall, have their outworking, right? This is what happens. Um, now, wh- wh- why, why does this verse 21 read like this? Why does verse 21 say, um, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, I think live like this is basically saying the pattern of your lives. If your pattern of your lives is involving this, then you... You, you haven't got the spirit because the pattern of your life. I don't think it's like a checklist that if you've ever had a fit of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I don't think, because we're all doomed if that's the case, because you've all had that. I have. Um, not all of them, but, um, but, but I've, had, I've had quite a lot. I've fallen foul of quite a few of those. Um, now, um, but important thing there, isn't it? Do you notice how lots of you are going, well, I can see a couple on that list I haven't done, okay? Um, and some of you will be going, uh, okay. Um, but actually, this, the, these characterize the life away from, from Jesus. But I do want us to say it's really important that um, seeing the acts of the flesh in us, because I tell you what, I've tell, having kids and sleeplessness, um, this fits of rage thing can be really, really difficult to fight. You can see the works of the flesh in you, right? You, you, you can see it. Um, so if we see that, look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, so the, if you see, if you see an, an act of the flesh, we're called to crucify them. What does that mean? What does it mean to crucify the acts of the flesh? Well, take that guilt and shame and habit and take it to the cross and let it die there. Okay? Let the guilt, let the shame, but also let those actions die. Crucify. It's difficult. It's painful because that is what our flesh tends towards. 
and by so doing, we can keep in step with the Spirit. We're not... We, by our efforts, are not going to save ourselves. That already happened. But we are called to sacrifice the passions of the flesh as an outworking of the Spirit. And there will be fruit. Now, what is fruit? Fruit comes from something. Fruit is not... Fruit, fruit came from a tree, right? It came from life. And that botanical imagery is literally littered throughout the New Testament. And this fruit of the Spirit comes from something. It comes from the love of God. It doesn't... The fruit is not for the love of God, right? So the fruit comes from the love of God through his work in Jesus indwelling us with the Spirit, causing us to have affection for Jesus and working that out. It comes out of there. It doesn't, you don't do the good stuff to get loved, right? You don't, like, that's not how it works. Interestingly as well, it's fruit, which is singular. Now, my wife is, is a lot smarter than I am, and she pointed out to me as I was getting very excited about this, as is something I'd noticed, I said that, look, there's fruit, it's fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit, like the gifts of the Spirit, where some of us have some gifts and others don't have others. I was like, look, it's, ju- it's just one fruit, fruit of the Spirit. She goes, Toby, the plural of fruit is fruit. I go, whoa, 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 hey, Siri, what's the plural of fruit? Fruit, okay? Now, so I had to go and do my homework. And actually, it is the singular fruit. So, um, but I was right to be pointed out on this. Right? It is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, why, why, why does he go singular on the fruit of the Spirit? Well, a great Christian guy who's, who's dead now, and, and usually that's often quite a good indicator if something seriously bad's come out since he's been dead, um, that, um, that there was some fruit of the Spirit in his life. Okay? And this guy was John Stott, um, top bloke. Great, great English Christian guy, um, and he said his his thing is he doesn't think God's in the business of making kind of lopsided Christians where they got some fruits but not others. Because I bet you there's some of those on there that some of you are great at. I know there's some there's some of those people who are just sweet. They're just super sweet. They're just like kind of born like that, right? That they're, they're they're kind. I'm not looking at you, Johnny. That's right. And then there's, there's a, <laughs> then there's uh, then there's uh, self control. Some of you are really disciplined. Okay, some of you are just by nature very disciplined people. You go, yeah, self-control, go on down. Okay, but actually, the fruit of the spirit is these things, and they are fruit grows. So all of these things are growing. It doesn't mean you've got them like got it all down, but these things are growing out from the spirit. Now, do you know it's what the fruits are not? They're not intelligence. It's not actually even Bible knowledge. It doesn't say your Bible knowledge is growing. Great, good, well done. Um, it's not charisma. It's not, it's not preaching. I'll tell you that right now. It's not, it's not, preaching is not a fruit of the Spirit. Um, it's, not, it's not being a grafter. It doesn't say being a grafter. Those ones who work super hard. Maybe those ones who serve all the time. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. Not a fruit of the Spirit. You know, it's what it is. They're all relational. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are an outflow. You are able to show you can be loving because you were first loved. You were first... You had that whole board in the rock, the capsule sent down, and you were saved and pulled out from certain death. 
by what Jesus did. You can have joy in that, even when everything's going wrong in your life. And my goodness, some of you in here have had a lot. You've had a lot of stuff go wrong. But you can have joy, which surpasses happiness. So you know, everyone says, what do you want for your kids? They say, I want them to be happy. I don't want them to be happy. I want them to be joyful. I want them to have something which secures them, even when life goes wrong and it is bad. Some of you have lived that. But there is joy that comes from the security of knowing you're loved, ultimately. Peace. I don't know about you, but I've absolutely sweated to try and please my bosses in the past. I've been an absolute slave to it. And I've had no peace because one wrong look and I lose all the peace. But you don't get one wrong look from God because you've got Jesus covering it. So you can have peace. Forbearance. Thing is, in churches, right, we, if there's fallings out, it's difficult because we kind of have different people choosing to come together and live cheek by jowl with each other. But you can show forbearance because our Father God shows forbearance with us even though there are acts of the flesh still because we're forgiven. Kindness, that undeserved kindness. Not the kind of kindness that's kindness that's there because we've earned it, but kindness that's shown completely unmerited. Goodness. Why are kindness and goodness there? I think you have a job to separate them, but I wonder if goodness is kind of like an outworking of the kindness. Kind of, it's kind of like you're able to, to in action, show, show that love. Because Jesus... We see him in his word, feeding the 5,000. We see him healing the leper. We see these things. And it's lovely. The Spirit shows us that. Faithfulness here is not the same as faith. Not exactly the same as faith, right? So faith saves, and the, there is a gift in the, in, in the gifts of the Spirit, which is gift of faith too. This is faithfulness, which I think in this context is doing what you say you're going to do. In, in this particular one. Because Jesus kept saying throughout his ministry that he was going to die and in three days be it was going to rise again, which is what got him crucified because he kept saying, he's basically alluding to the fact that he was the Messiah. He was faithful. He did it even though it was hard. He did it even though he said, Father, your will be done in the Garden of Eden, sweating blood. We're able to do that because that's the nature of our God. Not because of this is some sort of inspiring thing, because we're going to fall short, so short, but because that's what our Jesus is like, and he's faithful to you. And it will, in time, show its fruit. Gentleness. One of the few times Jesus actually said what he was like himself. Gentle and lowly. It's one of the two, two descriptions of himself. Self-declared, gentle and lowly. We can be gentle and lowly because through the Spirit we can see Jesus, we can love him, and we can be conformed to his likeness. Self-control. This is one that loads of us are going to struggle with, whether that be with our... where we, where we allow our eyes to peer, whether it be where we allow our... myself speaking, the food that we eat. Self-control is hard, but... The Spirit can help us. We can ask. Remember, we can ask the Spirit to help us. So walk by the Spirit and there will be fruit. But I would also ask us to call out the fruit in one another. Call it out. You see it. The difficulty with fruit is it takes a long time. It 
grows. It's, it's a slow, slow, slow process. So I think it's, it's imperative on us to call out the fruit in other people because there'll be people in here who genuinely think they're showing no fruit, but we can see it. And we need to not be English in this, which is, which is to be reserved and go, well, well, I don't want to cause them to feel, get puffed up. Well, don't, you don't, don't big them up for the things like charisma, teaching, those sorts of things. Big up one another for when we see the work of the Spirit, because actually you're bringing glory to God. And I know how encouraging it is um, when the people closest to me, particularly, receive encouragements to having seen that fruit. Massive. I've seen growth of the Spirit in, in people I've known for years here. And, and I'm so, I want to say sorry when I haven't seen, when I haven't expressed how much I've seen that fruit, because I've seen that fruit growing. And how many of you are stumbling and finding things hard because actually you don't, you don't, you're blind to the way that God is actually growing you and is, and is making you more like Jesus, but I see it, and we see it in each other. But also, I want to say to us as well that that fruit is something which brings that glory to God, so we can find glory for God in one another. But we also fail, and there's lots of people here who have been failed by Christians, um, and, and have been hurt by Christians who have not showed that fruit of the Spirit. Um, and I'd say, don't look to those Christians. Look to Jesus when you've been let down as well. Because that's, there's so much pain there. So we've got our three people, haven't we? Those who aren't sure, put your faith and you'll receive the Spirit. That's the so. You're doing this so. So walk by the Spirit. Remember, walk has both direction and power, both of which are given by the Spirit, and it's relational. The Spirit's going to point us towards Jesus, and there will be fruit. It's, that is what comes out of this. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the richness of it, and I pray that even with my stumbling words, that they, you will be brought the glory. You'll be brought the harvest in this part of Birmingham, the harvest of souls, people made more like Jesus. In his name, amen.